Hello and welcome to The Last Wicket, a cricket podcast that is considered to be so intense that some Australian cricketers refuse to listen to it. I'm your host, Benny, and thank you for tuning in. If you haven't heard, we have been nominated for the Sports Podcast Awards in the Best Cricket Podcast category. So if you enjoy this podcast, please visit sportspodcastawards.com, register, and vote for us. Now, this week, we are joined by head physiotherapist of the South African cricket team, Craig Govinder. Now, Craig, who also serves as the director of the Wanderer Sports Medical Center, spoke with us about the difference in approach to fitness training at both domestic and international levels, the challenges of different trainings for different formats, the accountability that comes with the role of a physio at the highest levels of the game, and much, much more. Now, before we get to it, I did want to chat uh, with my co-host, Mike, about what's been on our mind recently, especially with things going on in the cricket world. And of course, at the time of recording, uh, the IPL auction is going on and it's still early. We still have one more day to come. Um, so we'll probably talk about it next week. Uh, but for this episode, something that's been uh, on my mind, and I'm very curious to hear, uh, Mike, what your thoughts on it are. Um, but the recent controversy, let's say, you know, Ajinkya Rahane, um, former test vice captain of the Indian team uh, came out with some fighting words in a recent interview that he did with uh, the great Borea, Borea Machandar. Um, now, I'm just going to read verbatim what he he stated. So there's you know no confusion and no misinterpretation. Okay, So this is based off India's epic test series win in Australia last year um, with a lot of accolades and credits given to a number of people you know, the coach and, you know, the players. Um, but this is what Rahane said in the, in the recent interview. Uh, quote, I, I know what I've done there. I don't need to tell anyone. That's not my nature to go and take credit. Yes, there were some things that I took the decisions on the field or in the dressing room, but someone else took the credit for it. After that, the reactions from people or those who took credit or what was said on the media, I did this or this was my decision or this was my call. It was for them to talk about. So very clearly, this seems to be aimed at uh, a very bombastic and very public figure in Ravi Shastri because I cannot think of anyone else who took credit for any of the things in Australia. Uh, but what, what do you make of it? What are your initial impressions of that statement by Rohani? I was a little surprised, to be honest, because I the coverage that happened around that time was very convincing that everybody wanted or everybody loved Rahane as captain. And it wasn't just because of, you know, whatever he did on the field, which sometimes can be a little hard to figure out, but his batting as well, that knocking at the MCG after the Adelaide collapse was absolutely mind-blowing. Like, it was a chanceless knock, and I thought a lot of people would give him a lot of credit. Um, in fact, for a while, until his own form, you know, until he had a sequence of uh, scores where he didn't score well, everybody was wondering if, hey, we... Maybe we should, you know, replace Kohli with Rahane as test captain. Not everybody, but, you know, there, were, there was a fair amount of people who were speculating around that. And right. so I didn't necessarily feel that he did not get credit. I think that's a very odd comment in my mind. Um, but, yeah, that's that's my initial take. I, I guess there's more to it as we think about what uh, other people have said in interviews. Well, a couple of things that stood out for me. Uh, one, you know, um, I don't know if you remember this. So Ashwin did this, Ravichandran Ashwin did this interview a few months ago where he kind of was very honest about how he felt when he was dropped or even like uh, overlooked in favor of someone like Kuldeep Yadav at one point where Ravi Shastri said Kuldeep is our number one spinner overseas and how... Ashwin was hurt uh, uh, by that statement. And then Shastri came back with some fighting words of his own. Um, so when you coupled this statement uh, or the uh, by Rahane with what Ashwin said previously, um, it does seem like there is some truth to all the, the rumors or any accounts that there is some discord between Shastri and some senior players. Um 
and and again, there's no clear black and white for this, right? Because, I mean, uh, uh, Ravi Ashwin in his um, YouTube video uh, when he was talking about the winds in Australia, you know, he talked about how Shastri motivated him, right? With the whole "come on, Ash" uh, <laughs> uh, thing. So you can't just say there's a clear rift or discord between the coach and the players. And again, these are professionals. There's bound to be disagreements um, as long as it's in good nature or it's it's in the pursuit of a common goal. It's fine. You're not always going to get along well with your boss or your colleagues, but you still make it work somehow. Um, the only thing in the sports world, everything is has to be dramatized. <laughs> everything is a rift or everything is like this big fight. Um, but anyway, so it, it just sounds to me like it, it's a case of some simple disagreements in approach that's kind of got blown out of proportion by the player himself, in this case, Rahani. Um, but more than that, the second point and really the most important point, I'm just frustrated by Ajinkya Rahani. You know, he is a player who gets ultra defensive whenever anyone brings up his lack of consistent scores. I mean, don't get me wrong. He's a very good player. He's probably one of India's best uh, test batsmen in recent years, but he's not consistent enough. You cannot score like one really good hundred and then try to live off that for the rest of, I don't know, the year. Um, And if questions are being asked, you be honest about it rather than get defensive and you know, try to turn it back on someone else. And I think that should be his focus, getting back among the runs in domestic cricket rather than inject this level of, you know, it it seems petty to me that you're still fighting over credit over a series win that happened like last year. Um, And I, and I, I just really hope that he focuses on his runs right now rather than who's getting credit for what. Yeah, and, and the interesting part is, I think you mentioned how Ashwin was at times unhappy with Ravi Shastri. In this particular incident, it was Ashwin who actually credited Ravi Shastri, and that's the credit right. that Rahani is trying to claim. And and, and, and Ashwin's uh, YouTube videos, they, he was specific about how it all happened, like how Shastri called him up and said, hey, why don't you take the ball in the, ten, in the first 10 overs? So I, I think it's it's interesting. I feel like, you know, so many times the truth is somewhere in the middle. Um, mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is the last time India visited Australia, uh, Jadeja was given the ball in the ninth over or 10th over by Kohli. So it's not the first time ever that somebody's thought of that. And right. um, so I'm guessing like that was probably already on the mind of Ajahn Kerahane and that's why he was thinking about it. Because these teams obviously go back and look at what they've done and what they've done well and not done well in, in the last series at, at each venue. So I think it was already on the mind of Rahane and it, uh, you know Shastri probably also talked to um, probably also talked to Ashwin. So I think that's where like it's sort of in the middle, um, and it's probably obviously when these things come out in the media, it's a bigger fuss than than it should be. Uh, I'm, I'm sure, like they'll they'll talk it out and resolve it, as, because as you said, like they're all professionals and uh, they may not see eye to eye on every issue, but I think they all understand they're they're for a more important goal. Right, and especially with Shastri now no longer the coach, he's free to speak his mind uh, openly and without you know worrying about what others may think. I don't think he's ever bothered about worrying <laughs> what other people think, uh, but. I, I think it's a good opportunity to clear any air, um, you know, just as because India had a very good run under Kohli and Shastri, and it would be sad if these are the kind of accounts and reports that we're left with. Um, so, anyways, th- that's really uh, what's been on my mind this past week when, when I read that statement. I think I did like an eye roll because I was like, really, are we still doing this about who's who should be taking credit and uh, the fact that Rahane has bigger things to worry about right now. Well, uh, it's, it's funny you say that there's, we are still talking about this because remember Sachin Tendulkar had a whole like thing when he was releasing his autobiography about how he, he wasn't happy with Dravid asking him to get retired at 194. So 
uh, yeah, I, I feel like it, it's just very individual in the sense that, you know, some players are a little more self-centered than others. Uh, and that's human nature. I, I don't think I'm blaming anybody here. Uh, yeah. So it's just one of those things. And yeah, I'm sure in due time, people will just forget about it. And uh, Ashwin or Rahane or Shastri, I don't think Shastri cares now, but the others will not care either. I mean, cricketers are a strange bunch. Yeah, I, I don't know. They just focus on the most random things at times. Anyway, we will get into our conversation with Craig right after this brief message. Hey, y'all. This is Benny, the host of the Last Week at Podcast. Before we really get into this week's episode, I just wanted to say that it's been great fun for me and my co-host Mayank to use this podcast as a medium to chat with an incredible area of guests from all over the world on a variety of topics in the cricketing universe. For a couple of amateur podcasters, this is all possible due to Spotify for podcasters. And if you want to get in on this as well, here's how it works. Spotify for podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer so no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. As added features, video podcasts are also now available on Spotify. And when you want to take conversations with your fans to the next level, Q&A and polls are the best way to get them talking. With Spotify for podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. So if you have an idea for a podcast, give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com slash podcasters to get started. So Craig, thank you so much for coming on the last week at podcast. Uh, this, this might be a little bit of self-indulgence on my part, but just bear with me. So as a longtime Indian cricket fan, right, uh, winning a test series in South Africa was, is the final frontier. India has never won a test series there. And from the perspective of an Indian cricket fan, you know, we were looking forward to this tour uh, as the defining moment of this generation of Indian cricketers led by Virat Kohli, that, you know, they were going to create history by winning the series. Um, and especially after the first test, it just felt like, oh, this is it. This is the moment. It's all going to happen. And obviously it didn't pan out that way. And it was very disappointing. And uh, but, you know, it's been far removed now that I can kind of have a more dispassionate look at what's transpired. And I'm able to appreciate the opposition <laughs> a little bit more. Um <laughs> And, you know, we, we've talked about this before on our podcast, you know, the likes of Temba Baluma, uh, the leadership of Dean Elgar, uh, the young crop of fast bowlers in South Africa. And it was truly well-deserved series when it's, you know, as, as a, at least I can speak for myself as an Indian cricket fan, sometimes my lens is very narrow and it's always about how the Indian team is doing well. Uh, and it can be kind of easy to forget there's another team involved and they play good cricket as well. So in that sense, you know, uh, very well-deserved win for the South African team, especially considering all that's been going on kind of behind the scenes and, you know, all of the different news and, you know, controversies going around. So as someone who is embedded in the South African setup, I'm just curious about the general, you know, feeling or the emotions in the aftermath, you know, like, how was it in the dressing room, at least from your perspective? How did that series win feel for you? Hi, guys. Yeah, thanks for having me, first of all. Yeah. And thanks for the long question. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I start. <laughs> yeah, that's how you start, like an opener. Yeah. Not in South Africa. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it was an awesome series. It was absolutely awesome to be part of. I mean, not many people gave us many ho uh, a lot of hope. Uh in 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 the series looking at looking at the both squads etc so uh i remember just thinking about it and i've i've been with the proteas since december 2017 and i was part of a great team in terms of names uh back then with the likes of hashim ab dale vernon Mornay, fab yeah. duplessis you know and the likes and we played an awesome series against um australia at the time 
right. you know, that, that infamous series. And it was quite a tense and hard-fought series, which we came through well. Uh, but I, I looked at this series and I thought, wow, it's, it's, it's a lot different because we lacked the experience, but we got through it, uh, you know, and I'm a, I'm a, I'm a cricket soul at, at heart. Um, I love the game. So I, I, I'm a little bit of a badger myself. So, so, I mean, I understand statistics, understand, uh, the lineups, understand all that stuff. And we fought eh? and we fought hard and it, it was through great leadership, I would say, uh, yeah. Captain C on Dean Elder side was immense. I mean, I would even run through a brick wall for that man, you know? So, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was crazy. Every session meant a lot. <laughs> you're just sitting on the edge of your seat and you're thinking, hey, this is it. This is a session, you know, and you don't right. often go through a series like that. And every 20 runs was also big, you know? Right. So, yeah. So it was, it was great to be part of, um, they did a lot of people proud, a lot of ex cricketers, uh, a lot of the parents, a lot of the staff. I mean, we're extremely proud of what uh, the guys did. Oh, well, I, I'm extremely proud myself. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The you, you kind of touched upon it there. You know, it 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 does take apart from the physical or the cricketing skills, right? It's also about their endurance and. And that's the thing about a test match. You're you're battling it out with a high quality opposition for five days, and in, in the heat and with all the tensions that come, you know, like the competing tensions of the sports persons. Um, and you also, you know, kind of touched upon it, but you, you've worked with the Lions and now with the South African team. I'm just curious about the golf in the quality of training, recovery, and you know, conditioning devices or facilities. Um, as information available between these two levels. And obviously, it, this is a hot topic because, you know, there are a lot of cricketers, especially, let's say, in the limited overs, you know, they make a big name for themselves. Um, or, when I say limited overs, I'm more specifically T20s, right? Uh, but anything longer than that, uh, there's a focus on, can this player really kind of, can, can they last longer, you know, like, a, let's say, a test match? And, you know, some of the names that come to mind are like Shimran Hetmeyer, uh, Sharjil Khan, Lungi Ngiri. There's always this question, once they reach the top level, uh, can they maintain their fitness or, you know, that, that kind of quality to compete with the rest of the players in the team? As a physio, do you see a big gulf when players from the domestic cricket set, uh, step up to the international level? Well, yeah, definitely there is, <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, a lot of the prodigies come through on the 19 cricket and school cricket and they get into professional cricket and they don't necessarily have the workload available to them growing up because you generally paying 50 over cricket. And there's not, there's not a hell of a lot of prodigies that come through at the age of 20, 21, 22, but they are. And you, right. we do see that there is a gap between the between their strength and endurance and stuff like that. And it does take some time for them to get used to that because you're not used to that at schoolboy level and at entering domestic level, you know? So it's a lot of education. I think um, a lot of people don't understand how much education happens at the at, at this level as well. So I I like to break break it down pretty small. I mean, we, we shouldn't assume that that even the elite athletes know it all. They, they don't. Right. So... So we are educators in a sense, and I'm, I'm there to improve their game, you know, and and sometimes we butt heads, but it's for a good cause, you know. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not there earning the millions, but I'm there to help them earn the millions, you know. So right. there's a sense of, there's a sense of uh, understanding who we're dealing with, understanding individuals, knowing that every individual is different and they need to be treated that way and they need to be exercised that way. So there's no regurgitation of programs, it's quite individualized, you know. So, yes, going back, there is there is a gap, and it 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 takes a lot of education and understanding of your body because no one really understands their body and when to push through pain and when not to push through pain. It's very difficult for someone to understand that. But as you get on in your career, you you tend to understand that as well. I I'm just curious as from a lay person's perspective, how how receptive are the players? 
right? As a physio, you go and talk to them and you have to have this conversation with them. Uh, and these might be, and they might be at varying stages, you know, in their success, let's say, like, let's say a rookie compared to someone who's more experienced. Uh, as a physio, how easy or hard is it for you to have a very important conversation with them and how receptive are they in a general sense? Well, I think that's a very personal question to a physiotherapist, you know, so mm -hmm. in my career, I've basically grown up with a lot of this, this team. So, you know, started working in elite cricket in 2010 and been part of SAA teams and many, many teams. So my relationship is quite long with most of these guys. So they know there's, they, they know where they stand with me. I think, I think I have, I my whole philosophy of physiotherapy is about relationships and being honest and creating no gray areas. So they basically know where they stand with me and, and, and I will tell someone where to jump off if I need to, you know? So, uh, it's, 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 it's good professionalism from both sides, you know, because like I said before, we only there to improve their game and create longevity in their, in their careers to, to last longer. And that obviously makes them, better players if they stay there long enough they can break records they can earn more money they can get elsewhere so from a backroom staff point of view we there for them and it's always going to be that way cricket is always going to be the most important thing you know right and and i'm curious um to your point about the gulf um i know on the at the top level a lot of devices such as whether it's aura rings to track sleep, uh, whether it's devices to see how much distance they're uh, running and, and things like that, and at what speeds they're running, uh, all of those are used quite widely today. Um, is that also the case with the Lions or, or with other you know lower domestic teams, say a South Africa A, or we're not quite there? Yeah, so budget is a big thing, uh, Mayank. Uh, you know, uh, it always, it's, it's always a key factor in developing a team. Fortunately enough, at the pro tier level, we use a system called Catapult GPS system, which is one of the best GPS systems going around. Our trainer, Tumi uh, Masakila, is, 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 runs that, you know, and as, as a strength and conditioning coach, that's one of his important uh, uh, performance indicators. So we get a lot of information from that. We don't use Aura rings personally. There's a lot of guys that are tending to use something called the loop. It's a little band that uh, it's from America. They, they use that and it's giving a lot of information uh, to them. But that's a personal thing. Uh, you know, so, so there's a few things going around. Sleep is a massive thing as well. So like I said, education, I like educating the guys. So sleep is vitally important for recovery. I guess I'm a researcher. So I've done a lot of cricket research in the past and uh, written some stuff. So I know the 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 importance of sleep. So we try to impart that on them. And again, individuals are individuals and uh, that's all we can do. We can, we can educate. Eh? Right. That, that makes sense. Um, and, and you mentioned the strength and conditioning coach, uh, I guess, help us distinguish between the role of a physiotherapist versus that of a strength and conditioning coach. I'm, I'm guessing there's some overlap, but um, just trying to understand with a few examples, if you have. Yeah, obviously, uh, within a team, um, I'm a big advocate of a holistic, uh, multidisciplinary approach. You know, so I run a I run a medical center that has various uh, disciplines as well. And within our discipline in or our department at the Proteas, we have specific roles that we need to follow. Uh, and a physio basically does a diagnosis, treatment of initial injury. Uh, gets the player back uh, to to playing, and whereas the the strength and conditioning coach works on his his total fitness, you know, from strength, endurance, speed, agility, he builds the programs for different formats, etc. You know, so I won't necessarily delve into the strength and the gym program. I will delve into rehab and prehabilitation. So I'm there to prevent injuries from occurring. So I'll do musculoskeletal screenings. I'll screen the player. I'll try and look for areas where he's lacking and improve on those because those lack those areas that may uh, they may be deficient in could cause an injury 
in the future. So I'll, uh, I'll put set in programs to prevent such stuff. I'll then prevent, uh, I'll then do rehabilitation or prehabilitation programs because the player is not injured, right? So prehabilitation is preventative rehabilitation, whereas rehabilitation often happens when there's an injury. So if you have a, a, a hamstring injury, then I'll put up a rehabilitation program. Then when, I, when I'm doing a musculoskeletal screen on a player that doesn't have any injuries, he'll still get a program for me because I want to prevent stuff from happening. So then he'll get a prehabilitation program, working on air, focusing on areas to improve him and also help the strength and conditioning coach. Uh, a little example I, I like to use is a deep overhead squat. So you're doing a, like a deep overhead squat. It's a, it's a functional test that I use to, to understand where players are. To get right down to the ground, you need flexibility in your shoulders, in your thoracic spine, in your hips, and your ankles. So if I find there's a, there is a lack of range of motion in his ankles, then I, as a physio, will put in uh, exercises to improve range. By that improving range, that helps the strength and conditioning coach in the gym because you maximize power of the athlete. Do you understand? So we need to work very closely together because I help him improve the player's performance as well. That makes sense. That's that's a really useful example. Um, yeah, yeah. I've, I've been always curious about sort of the overlap, so that that really helps out. Um, the other thing I've I've wondered is you know today coaches are very specialized. We have bowling coaches, we have even wicket keeping coaches in in some teams, um, and and it makes sense because these are very different areas, different skills. Um, yeah. Is there, do you think there's enough research to have specialist physios for, say, fast bowlers? Or, or do you think, right, uh, the, the way you manage right now is you already have that research and you manage individuals according to their, you know, skill category? I never thought about that, <laughs> honestly, because, I mean, uh, yeah, I've, I've, it's an interesting question. But uh, how, do you, how do you create cohesiveness? How do you create one, one way of thinking? You know, so... You know, you got to. If if that's the case, then you're gonna probably travel around with two or three physios. You know, and we all have to be in sync at the same time. We have to we have to talk the same languages. So right. that's important. You you know. Also, you don't you don't want the the instance of too many different voices may and they may, may not be saying the same thing. So interesting question. Never thought about it, but personally. I would like to take care of the player. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, too many cooks in the kitchen certainly uh, can be confusing, especially I'm, I'm guessing for, you know, youngsters who are still understanding their, you know, physical fitness levels and, and things like that. Um, getting too much advice may not be At the be end of the day, we're only traveling with, well, during COVID times, you travel with a, a slightly bigger squad, mm -hmm. but you only have a certain amount of players. Not every player is on, our, on the bed. So, you know, it's... Not a hell of a lot of work, but there's work. Right. There's a there's there's a lot of work. On. Don't get me wrong, but yeah, it's not like you dealing with forty players on tour. You know where you need a bit more assistance, and you probably you're probably traveling with six to seven fast bowlers. So it's I think it's manageable. Right. But speaking about too many cooks in the kitchen, you know uh, we live in the age of franchise cricket, and we have. You know, you work with players in the team who might be playing in the IPL or any other franchise, even like in South Africa, for instance. Yeah. And every time they play for these different teams, there is a different physio, right? Mm. So how do you work? How do you sync with that, you know, when players are in the national team? So like I said, relationships are very important to me. I I communicate. I know most of the, all the physios in the IPL, for instance. I mean, I, I make sure that I get in contact with them. As soon as the player leaves me, there's a whole file that goes with the player. So from <laughs> yeah. pictures of strapping to what he likes, to the maintenance I do with him on a regular basis, with his injury prevention programs, prayer programs, the quirky remarks, what may make him laugh and make him smile, to his music <laughs> that he enjoys, that yeah. goes that goes with with, it, with to the physio. And that yeah. builds a, a nice rapport as well because you it's about caring, right? It's about making sure that the player feels that he's special. And when he gets right. there and the, and the physio on the other end knows exactly what he likes, he feels at home. Yeah. 
Yeah, and, and that's, a, that's a great point because we talked to John Gloucester a few months ago and he was, you know, folk, um, his point was also very similar that it is critical to have these connections so that you can continuously monitor a player rather yeah. than only have them for, you know, six months or in yeah. the case of franchise cricket, two months. So similar uh, to John, we, we chat quite a lot when, when a lot of my guys go to the Rajasthan Royals, for instance, and Chris Morris is of the world and, you know, all those David Miller's stay recently. So, you know, we chat around a lot of a lot of stuff. And sometimes he needs to do my work for me. And he does. You know, you, you got it. We obviously want our players back fitter and healthier, you know, and that's important. And and we all we all in it together. The fuzzy world is quite a quite a small one. Cricket fuzzy world. Yeah. If if you want it to yeah. be smaller actually. <laughs> so you gotta make time <laughs> to make trade relationships. Yeah. Yeah, we're all clearly. You all are working towards one common goal, which is which is great. I'm sure the the players appreciate that. Uh, but speaking of franchise cricket, um, one of the other pieces that John mentioned to us was how for T20 cricket in particular, speed endurance is sort of the key focus um, for training for his players wherever he goes, whether it's Rajasthan Royals, the PSL. Um, does the South Africa team also have a similar approach? And also curious how, like all format players such as Rassi or, or Temba Bavuma, um, Rabada, how do they adapt? Like where do they switch their training methods? When do they do that? And, and so on. Yeah, obviously it's a team approach. So uh, again, the, the, the strength and conditioning coach really takes that on uh, during tours. Periodization is vital towards that. Periodization is when we peak and when we when we break and when we give them more energy and how they can really really get to that point of uh, total exertion and rest is as well. So yeah, it's it's definitely different uh, um, test cricket to uh, to to T Twenty cricket is a big difference. Is a massive difference. Uh, yeah, you get guys sometimes running a lot more in T20 cricket than in 50-over cricket, to be honest. Your best fielders are running from long on to long on because they're the boundary riders, uh, you right. know, and and that's where the player also understands his uh, his his body because not everyone's going to field at long on. Not everyone's, and majority of the time, you got your, your best fielders in those areas, in those pockets. So... You know, it, there's a definite shift in, in training methodology. Um, I think one of the most most interesting articles that I read over the last uh, year or so regarding training was around how the New Zealand team prepared for the recent T20 World Cup in, in the UAE, uh, where obviously the conditions were very hot and their conditioning coach made sure that they were sweat tested. Um, I did not know that was a thing before I read this article, but there was sweat analysis on each of their players to understand individual hydration conditions. They were also asked to train at, at 38 degrees and, and at 2 p.m. so that they are you know, ready for the worst conditions. And then they use devices such as refractometers um, to check hydration levels and weigh themselves at various stages of the game as well as the tournament. Um, so all this research, all this technology that's coming available, would you say that we're you know really getting to a point where you know we're close to the final frontier, so to say, from a fitness perspective? Um, and I'm sure it'll evolve as more and more research comes and, and we we learn more about about the human body and how it how it reacts. But it seems like we have you know very high level of uh, efficiencies when it comes to monitoring every little detail about the human body. Yeah, I definitely can uh, understand what uh, New Zealand have done. I mean, I brought in refractometers quite early in my career uh, uh, at the Lions as well, understanding where uh, their urine uh, levels are because it, it, it gives you a reading of, of hydration or dehydration. I always put uh, urine charts all over the, the bathrooms, uh, you know, so guys understand the color. There's refractometers around. Um, there's research on tart cherry juice, which 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 helps with the recovery. You know, it all, it all boils down to recovery and and what's out there. You know, so I, I mean, that's that's totally understandable what they're doing in terms of training at the hottest time of the day. We've also done that because you want to shock the body, you want to acclimatize. You players need to understand what the, what's 
they're going through and how they're going to push themselves through those limits and those barriers. But saying that when, when you do that, they also need to recover. So if they're training at that time, all the hydration stuff needs to be available. The menu of, re, of recovery stuff needs to be around. So I work on a menu, on a menu system where there's different uh, recovery elements because not everyone enjoys an ice bath. Let's be honest. So there needs to be some. There needs to be something done by by the player, and it's the professional element of the player to do something, which is which is needs to be done. You know, Craig. The yeah. as a layperson again, because <laughs> I am fascinated by all of these. Uh, I'm I'm fascinated by the amount of thought and research that goes into this, right? Because as um, let's say an average cricket fan, we we watch cricket when. You know, the game is on, we tune in for a bit, and then we vent on social media, this player sucks, or this player is doing well, great, yay. And oh, then this done, physio right? is bad, and that, and you get <laughs> right. Oh. There are so many injuries, why, what is the physio doing, right? Exactly. Look, that's the level, that's the level of hot takes that yeah. the average cricket fan does. Yeah. But behind the scenes, you see this level of research and the level of thought and mm. uh, the amount of planning that goes not just in the skill side, but also in terms of keeping the players at, because these are young athletes at the peak of their, you know, like their youth and you want to maximize that and all, all of that stuff. Mm. Um, but I'm just curious because you, you've pretty experienced yourself, you know, apart from the national team, you're also the director at the Wander Sport Medical Center. So you have a lot of, expertise and experience uh but i'm curious as far as how has the sports physio world or at least let's let's be specific in cricket how has that evolved over the years since you began since you started your career ha have there been any monumental changes that most cricket fans are not aware of again it's quite a personal thing eh you know, uh, we, we're always looking for the 1% better than the other team as well. So you don't want to give too much away, you know. So, <laughs> <laughs> but, but in saying that, you know, as individuals, as, or as myself, I'm always looking for new and different ways of helping that 1% or getting that 1% better or some say 5% or it's, you know, you know you're not going to reinvent the wheel completely, right? What's right. happening in cricket these days is that it's, an annual sport at the moment. Gone are the days where it was a season sport because you can make plays can play in many different leagues, uh, all three formats. We in bubbles now, which is you know, which is which is tough, you know. So uh, a lot of th a lot of things happen, but you need to keep fresh because you also don't want to be boring. I, I think being boring and being mundane and runoff day. You don't excite people much. So I'm always looking for something different. And I love my gadgets, you know. <laughs> I love a gadget, <laughs> but it must be quite uh, evidence-based. Uh, so, so yeah, I think there, there's a lot that's happened in the past. Ice parts was a thing and you need, there was a lot of force and you had to. And what happens, what I personally believe in, like I said before, I'm quite a individual-based practitioner. Well, if you keep the mind fresh and 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 happy, and you create and you keep on releasing those endorphins and keeping a healthy and happy space, then then people are gonna be more receptive. And and some guys like ice spots, some guys don't. Uh, they're still doing recovery in their way. They sleep. Some guys sleep earlier, so they're getting the eight hours. Then I use Normatex, you know, those lymphatic uh, boots. I have that. I have game ready machines. I have we we travel with the Masua now. So as you can as you can tell, there's a lot more on the menu list. You know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah. So it, it has it has evolved. It has evolved, I would say. But we need to keep on evolving. That's the biggest thing. <laughs> well, let, let let me branch off your response and ask this in a different way because <laughs> you you kind of said you kind of brought up uh, like physios getting slated. Uh, I think the backroom staff, much like, you know, the wicket keeper or the umpire, yeah. uh, they get noticed when something goes wrong, right? Um, for a long time, you know, we never really considered or we never put too much thought into what the backroom staff does. Uh, mm. But, you know, just from an Indian fan perspective, right? A few years ago, there were players getting injured, 
left and right and invariably it turns to what is the physio doing like i, I think we talked to john about this it's like <laughs> you notice the physio when players keep getting injured and then you're like you know are they what's going on you know they're not yeah. doing their job right yeah. so how 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 do you view that is that a fair uh, again this might be very like a kind of a hot take where we are talking about things without really understanding the situation mm. uh, but do you think those kind of criticisms are fair uh, because there has to be a way to judge a physio's performance right yeah no 100% i mean i have kpis so i got to achieve kpis and and if there's a long length of injuries and they're not recovering in a certain time to get back playing and there's a re-injury then i'm to blame right uh, i believe yeah. being res- there's a there's a huge responsibility and accountability on, on myself and i and i take that personally so when there's an injury it's a personal thing you know what else mm-hmm. would i have done so i i'm a, right. i really debrief myself really hard i'm quite critical so that's why i love working you know so i need to cover all my bases make sure the player is is getting what he needs etc but but yeah i mean it's it's interesting you say about being slated i mean I was slated once quite heavily in the 2019 World Cup uh, on Twitter and stuff, but that's part of the job. Uh, uh, I mean, I'm a big Liverpool fan, and Chris Morgan is the current Liverpool physiotherapist. I actually sent him a message on Instagram and just to say that he was getting slated as well for the for the for the injuries, and people don't really know what's happening behind the scenes, you know. So you you can't. There's so many variables at stake. You know, you can't really put your finger on one reason why someone's getting injured. You can't. Right. It's impossible. But as physios, we're trying to eliminate or reduce those variables. You understand? So, yeah, I mean, it could be anything. We we can't we can't we're not hovering over someone 24 hours to make sure that he's doing every single thing I tell him. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so, injuries are part and parcel of the game. Or, or elite sport. That's why they are physios. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> you know. So, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it's a it's a tough. It's a it's a very stressful um, uh, gig. Uh, I mean, a lot of a lot of work goes into it. There's a lot of planning. Uh, I mean, everyone's different, as I said. I really don't know what other physios do. To be honest, I'm not one to go and ask either. So you're all particular about keeping secrets you know when you're at least active physios of your teams no you know we everyone has a physio bags and stuff that keep they keep certain things in their bags that they think no one else knows about <laughs> they, they, you know they, they have a lot of people will ask what's in my bag and can i have a look at your bag and you know stuff like that and personally it's no issue eh? and yeah, yeah. And I think I, I really appreciate that point because I feel like when a player does well, even then, like it, the way sometimes media writes it up or, or even fans start believing, they start thinking, you know, a lot about the player. But um, just like you said, there's not one variable when things go wrong. There's not one variable when things go right as well. So, you know, there's it's likelihood that, you know, all the work done by strength and conditioning and, and the physios, um, has has improved the player. Maybe the player himself is at the peak of his career, um, you know, just age-wise and skill-wise. So it's, it's a combination of things. So you can't always point to one thing, even yeah. in success. You can't. I mean, some players are blessed with with a body that doesn't break down. You know, some are not. Right. There's different body types. There's different biomechanical elements of people's bodies. There's There's history i mean family history stuff you know there's you know there's a lot of stuff at at stake here so delving quite deeply into an individual is important i mean like that's where doctors come into play as well doing full medicals doing blood lab tests checking what's what guys have what what chronic issues you have are they medicated are they supplemented you know you're always trying to make sure that you prevent something and when something happens you go back no that, that makes sense um I guess one final question that we have before we let you go is uh, you mentioned, you know, the strength and conditioning coach works on overall strength of a player, just making them um, holistically fit uh, and then strong. So are there certain benchmarks? So let's say, you know, you're a fast bowler, you're expected to play test cricket. So 
you need to um, squat, you need to be able to squat three times your weight or, or whatever that might be. Are there such weight related benchmarks or not really? Yeah, obviously uh, in our country or within South Africa, we have uh, benchmarks. There's definitely benchmarks. Uh, players need to be attain those benchmarks. And, you know, there's, uh, it's important. So again, as well, it's not a, it's not a, a broad way of testing people. Uh, the, the, the strength and conditioning coach also has individual uh, individual goals for players. You know, like I said, everyone's not going to be the the ultimate athlete. Uh, and that, I mean, I, I mean, that's impossible. No one's ever going to be the same. You know, you're not always going to get a Dale Stain or a Kafisa Robada who just looks like a complete athlete. You know, but. Uh, but there's constant work and people need to have goals and they need to attain goals and you can't you can't you can't get up to Everest if you're not at base camp you know right no that that makes sense so craig as as we wrap up um i wanted to mention i don't know if i've actually brought this up mike but uh when i was a kid which seems like a long time ago uh when i was very young i wanted to become a physiotherapist like a sports physiotherapist right um, but I happened to grow up in this family that really wanted me to become a doctor, which I ended up becoming. Indian. Uh, and when I say, yes, you know, you, you got it. You understand. Yeah, I know. Right? I, but, <laughs> it's either yeah. a doctor or an engineer. Those are the engineer, only yeah. two professions worth going yeah. into. Yeah. Um, but I really wanted to work as a physio, like a traveling, like a sports physio, because I would watch these games with all these teams having these physios traveling with them. And I would be like, that's what I want to do. Um, Obviously, life didn't pan out that way. Uh, but as someone as accomplished as you are, do you have any advice for aspiring physiotherapists, aspiring sports physiotherapists who want to work with sports teams, not just cricket, but any sports teams for that matter? Um, because we obviously live in completely different times now, especially mm. with the challenges brought on by the pandemic, with all the different restrictions that come with it. Do mm. you have any advice for aspiring physios? Interesting. I that's being a cricket physio was all I wanted, eh? Uh, so <laughs> all, all I wanted to be, and my parents knew that I loved the game of cricket. Uh, my dad took me to the first game post isolation, South Africa versus India at Kingsmead. So you know the passion grew from there. I, mean, I think Anil Kumle made his debut in that game. Pravin Amre scored a hundred against South Africa. So I remember it vividly. I even remember taking my little bat to Barry Richards for autograph, you know, and that just, just, just all I wanted to do, you know, and 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 work for South Africa one day and be at a World Cup. And I, I I didn't think I would be a cricketer, although I played a lot of cricket. Uh, leg spin was my forte, still is. I bowl quite a lot <laughs> in the nets. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I think for me, passion is everything. You got to be passionate in whatever you want to do. Um, you know, I'm sitting in a, in a position where I only treat elite athletes. They're not injured. Uh, we, we get protected in bio bubbles wherever we go. COVID is this, you can't have it type of thing. And you know, you're protected. But my best friends work in ICU units and they're putting their life at risk every single day. And for me, they even, they, they're the heroes of the world today, you know? They're in COVID wards. They, they're risking their lives, their family lives, and they're trying to get other other guys better. So if you're passionate about it, sports physiotherapy is not the only thing in physiotherapy. You know, there's a lot of different aspects. There's pediatric physiotherapy. There's geriatrics. Whatever is your passion, you must go into it 120%. Uh, I was completely narrow-minded, completely narrow-minded of where I wanted to be. And I'm grateful to be sit here and say that I've I've dreamt and I've got there, but but for me, physio is a passion, and cricket is a passion. I I got to cricket. I got to physiotherapy because of my passion for cricket. So that's all I can say. I mean, you give it 120 every <laughs> single day. Uh, yeah. You treat people like human beings and treat them as individuals, and you you're gonna get you're gonna get grumpy every now and again, and it's part of life. I think uh, my wife deals with that quite a lot, and I, when I vent. But you, you, you do need. You are gonna have those tricky times, and you gotta know this. It's gonna be there, and it's not smooth sailing. 
being many people think being at the elite level is easy it's it's not it's right it's it's extremely it's extremely uh, stressful environment where performance is all is everything and that means performance from all the backroom staff as well because everyone wants to see the best players play and and the textbook is doesn't exist at that level you know so you right. got to beat the textbook <laughs> all right. the time so so stay passionate focus on building relationships and that will get you far uh, yeah, so I think so. so that i mean that's perfect I, I think that's a great way to kind of leave and so craig thank you so much again for your time uh, we really appreciated all your thoughts and your perspectives and uh, i just want to wish you Thanks. all the very best you know in your current work with the south african team again as a Thanks. as a cricket fan in general it's it's just amazing to watch uh, the south african team with all these promising the blend of experience and you know youth and i feel like it's an exciting time and you know with yeah. good leaders so uh, again congratulations on the recent wins and best of luck uh, in all your future endeavors thanks thanks for having me on It was nice chat indeed <laughs> And that's it for this episode of The Last Wicked. You can follow Craig on Twitter at Craig underscore Gov. And do check out our show notes for the link to the article we referred to in this episode. Once again, check out our nomination at sportspodcastawards.com. And if you enjoy this podcast, do let a friend know, rate, and subscribe on your platform of choice. Follow us on your social media feeds and leave us a voice message if you would like to share your thoughts with us. Thank you again for listening. And from all of us here at The Last Wicked, stay safe and stay healthy.